you know, the, really the best way to understand blue mind is to start with what I call red mind. And that is our new normal. We're stressed, we're anxious, we're falling behind in many aspects of our lives. We're distracted. We've got this technology everywhere we look. I got technology in my face and in my ears. And that's our new normal. We wake up and we dive into a melee of input, of sensory overload. And it takes its toll on us. And red mind is very useful. It's a, the reason why we have that mind state is because it's powerfully useful. It's, it's where we get things done. It's where we thrive for advancements, where we compete. But if you stay in red mind too long, you will end up in gray mind, which is burnout and breakdown and disconnect. You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast with me, Dan Burgess. The concept of the Spaceship Earth is simple. We live on a life-giving rock called Earth hurtling through space. Like a spaceship, we have a finite amount of supplies with an intelligent operating system which keeps everything we need replenished as long as we all respect it and use wisely. So an understanding of how this system works, along with deep cooperation between humans and all life, is essential to keep us thriving and the spaceship flying. In this podcast, I'm in conversation with humans involved in regenerating life, shifting consciousness and reimagining how we can live more beautifully and peacefully. I talk with artists, activists, writers, designers, adventurers, healers, entrepreneurs, creative mavericks, and more. Their stories invite us to participate in the co-creation of a more beautiful, life-sustaining world in service to life, becoming crew on the Spaceship Earth. Hello, welcome to the show. This is Dan. Thanks for tuning in. Um... This is uh, episode 44. Uh, in this episode, I'm in conversation with Dr. Wallace J. Nichols. Now, Jay is a marine biologist, a water lover, uh, in his words, a turtle nerd, uh, a writer, speaker, and lecturer. And he's the best selling author of the extraordinary book, Blue Mind, uh, which is the surprising science that shows how being near in, on, or underwater can make you healthier, happier, more connected, and better at what you do. Sounds curious, right? You must read it. It's an extraordinary book. Anyway, uh, Jay has been called a keeper of the sea by GQ magazine, a visionary by Outside magazine, a friend of the sea, the godfather of water by Irish Life, Health, and many, many more. He's uh, on a kind of ever-twisting collaborative mission to create a new story of water and share it with the world. And this story, uh, he says, includes the vast cognitive, emotional, psychological, social, physical and spiritual benefits that we can all derive from healthy waters and oceans throughout our lives. So it was a real pleasure to connect with Jay for this conversation. I'm going to cut straight to it. This is episode 44 of the Spaceship Earth podcast with Jay Nichols of Blue Mind. Okay, Jay, welcome to yeah. the Spaceship Earth podcast. Dan, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's it's, it's great to have you here. Just um, just because I, we're in this world of you know lockdowns and God knows what else, it'd be lovely. Just uh, 
give some context. Where 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 are you right now? <laughs> where, I, where, do we, where, yeah. where do we find you? <laughs> I'm on the central coast of California, and um, about a block from the Pacific Ocean, hmm. sitting in my dining room, to be specific. Oh. So, uh, and, um, and how is it, how's your, well, it's morning for you, isn't it? How's the morning it looking? Morning. It's sunny and the ocean looks terrific and, uh, going to get in it. Yeah. Ah, amazing. So listen, we, we, we met a couple of years ago, um, in San Francisco at, um, was the UN climate conference and we had the, we had the ocean hack event, um, That's right. which, uh, was amazing to get you to come and um participate in that whole day with us and i'd come across i think your your book blue mind maybe a couple of years before then uh, which had a huge uh made a huge impression on on me so interesting um and i want to get into that you know that work your body of work and that, you know that beautiful phrase i always uh remember um you landing, which is, you know, this idea of water is medicine, which has always stuck for me. Um, and I want to get into that, but I think just, um, you know, many of my listeners will, will, you know, will make, might not be familiar with your work. And I would love just to know a little bit of, before we dive in literally, um, just about how you got to that a little bit of your backstory, I guess, just a bit of context on, um, what got you to this work. Um, cause I think that's really interesting for folks to understand a little bit about, about that yeah. story. So could we start yeah. with that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of the, you know, the classic story of an intertwined personal and professional set of experiences, which is kind of what you hope for in a life and a career that your, your personal interests intersect with your, your professional interests. And that's just a, maybe a satisfying way to live and work. Mm. But I, I was a marine biologist, or I am a marine biologist, and I study sea turtles and I study plastic pollution and climate change and it's in marine protected areas and um, all the things that sea turtles kind of intersect with. And I always noticed I felt better when my work brought me to the edge of the water or on the water on a boat or underwater. And I noticed the same for my colleagues and my peers was true. And upon further reflection, I realized that I think my whole life has been dictated by this basic idea of, about being near in, on, or underwater, going all the way back to my childhood. And, uh, you know, as a kid, I was what we would call me now was an introvert. I was kind of quiet and shy. Mm. I stuttered. I didn't really care for social experiences much. I didn't like loud noises. Um, so being underwater was my, my happy place. And I know a lot of people can relate to this. People don't talk to you underwater. You know, the phone doesn't ring underwater. There's no homework. Um, and so that's always been, been true. I just love being underwater, love being in the water. And I just started thinking like, what, what is that all about? What's going on neurologically, psychologically? So I went looking for a book about our brain on water. And I found books about our brain on stress, our brain on happiness, our brain on music, uh, neuroplasticity, um, neuroeconomics, but nothing uh, out there about 
our brain on water, that intersection. And um, I just wanted to read that book and I couldn't find it. And then I wanted to apply what I found in this hypothetical book to, to my work for the ocean. And uh, I try, then I tried to convince some smart people that they should write it. And then I, and then I could read it. And uh, I failed at that. And uh, I ended up pitching it to a guy named Dr. Oliver Sachs, uh, who passed away a few years back. He was a neurologist, a water lover, a brilliant man, a brilliant writer. And I thought, man, if, if he wrote this book, I would just love to read it. And I would work for him. And I pitched it to him. And he said, that's a fine idea. You do it. <laughs> and there, then there was just, I have, you know, the utmost respect for that man. And, and, um, that was a command, not a suggestion. And so I took that very seriously. And five years later, handed him a copy of this book, Blue Mind and said, you know, this is essentially your fault. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Um, and shortly after that, he passed away, but fortunately it was, a, I was able to complete that, that little loop. And, and so now I'm, I really, I'm trying to forget that I have written the book and I try to read it because I just wanted to read it. I didn't really want to write it. Yeah. Cause when was this? It was just a few years back, wasn't it? When yeah. Was the, it came out in 2014, 2014 right. came out initially. Then it's, you know, it's seen it's, um, various translations, Chinese, Korean, Russian, Italian, German, etc. Uh, so every year there's kind of a new translation or a new version. So it kind of feels newer than it is, mm. um, but it's been, so, yeah, it's been since 2014. Cause there's the, so there's a, there's a, there's a phrase on the book. So it's just for listeners, you know, it's, which is sort of frames the actual, the blue mind, the surprising science that shows how being near in on or underwater can make you healthier, happier, more connected and better at what you do. Can you give, can you give the listeners a, a, a bit more of a sense then what, what blue mind is all about. Mm -hmm. Well, the, you know, the, really the best way to understand blue mind is to start with what I call red mind. And that is our new normal. Um, we're stressed, we're anxious, we're falling behind in many aspects of our lives. We're distracted. We've got this technology everywhere we look including our back pocket, most likely. So I got technology in my face and in my ears almost you know, a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and that's our new normal. We, we, um, we wake up and we dive into a uh, melee of, of input, of sensory overload. Uh, and it takes its toll on us. And red mind is very useful. It's a, the reason why we have that mind state is because it's powerfully useful. It's, it's where we get things done. It's where we thrive and strive for advancements, where we compete. But if you stay in red mind um, too long, you will end up in gray mind, which is burnout and breakdown and disconnect. Um, and we've all felt that. This, I mean, mm. it used to be a bit taboo to talk about things like depression and, and deep sadness and, and burnout. And now everybody's talking about it for one simple reason. We're all, we're all dealing with it. And so the, the layer, the pand the, the pandemic on top of this layer, uh, economic, um, challenges and 
political um, divisiveness. Yeah, craziness. And, and craziness and personal challenges that we were, you know, we were talking about before we got uh, recording here. Mm. We're all dealing with. Um, and so red mind is our new, our new normal. Um, gray mind is the result. So now enter blue mind. Blue mind is that calm, creative, collaborative, connected, perhaps even courageous place that we go when we feel connected to ourselves, connected to our planet, connected to each other. And uh, we're able to relax. We're able to hear ourselves think again when we sort of cut off the, all of the sensory input that others are th- shooting at us um, and just breathe. And it's a, it's a, so by definition, it's a, uh, a mildly meditative state where we feel kind of, you know, sounds cliche, but more like one with the universe. We just feel good and where our creativity flows and it is enhanced by being near in on or underwater or in representations of water. So it may be a recording of the ocean rather than the ocean itself. Uh, it may be the bathtub rather than um, a lake. Um, so water in all of its forms, wild, domestic, urban, and virtual can create this mind state uh, called blue mind. And so that's what the book is all about is um, what is the neurophysiology of that as far as you know, we had the research in 2014, which it has advanced tremendously in the past six or seven years. Yeah, um, and how do we how do we make sure it's common knowledge? That's really the um, the goal here. Is let's make blue mind science and practice common knowledge. Uh, let's put it into everybody's hands as a as a, a tool, you know, as a, an option for when when you feel red mind is, has taken over. Um, you'll know. You'll remember. Oh yeah, I need <laughs> I need to get in the water. I need yeah. to get the water i need to submerge uh i need to take a take a walk by the river yeah that's the basic idea yeah and there's i mean because in the book obviously you've got and you've got i mean just endless examples and stories um you know because your work is you know again it's there's there's a lot of there is sort of science and as well as sort of anecdotes and i think there's a kind of i think there's also your work for me anyway it's um there's sort of empathy as well, intuition. It's, there's a lot of it embraces quite a lot of sort of living system and trust in sort of life. I find in in the work. But what can you share some of the stories or just a particular, you know, examples? I guess for just folks to start to understand where you know more intentional, I guess, blue mind application or blue health experiences. I guess or where you've come yeah. across uh, things which have really like wowed you. Yeah, well, I'll tell you two quick stories. One is personal. One is I'm a father of two teenage daughters. And uh, at a certain age, they kind of stopped telling me things. They, If I said, how was your day? They'd say, fine. And they'd say, what did you do at school? They'd say, nothing. <laughs> That's about all. all. I mean, if you're, if you're a parent... Or a grandparent, or you know, been around kids. You probably have had this experience. Yeah. And so you know, I somehow the door closed, and I became uncool. And talk about talk about red mind for me with my yeah. kids. That's, that's that that seems to have connected when when they start getting their own sort of personal handheld 
smartphone. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, ironically, right? So, uh, and it, it broke my heart. I was not happy that I mm. lost my, my baby girls, you know, uh, for, for a parent. That's just a, it's just a bad feeling. And, um, but I discovered if we got in the water together, if we got in a hot tub, we got a, mm. went for a swim, they start talking and they tell me everything about everything. And I just listen and I just be so happy because hearing about your children's lives, just the daily mundane things like what's going on at school, what are you studying? What are you interested? Who's your, who are your friends and what are you doing? Um, when you're cut off from that because they're growing up and they're distancing, uh, it hurts. But getting in the water, just it, the conversations flowed in, uh, it is, it's not magic, but it felt like magic. Mm. And it's, it's neuropsychology, it's blue mind in practice. And I just love that. So that's like parenting. What is it? What is that? What is that? Do you think then what's going on there? That's, that's particular to water. Do you think is your well, I, you know, you said technology, you know, comes in and then the conversations decrease. Well, you know, technology and water don't don't care for each other much. I mean, water will wreck your device pretty quickly. And so there's there's that. There's just, you know, don't bring your computer or your, your device uh, into the water. So that's the first part. The second part is... There's a quietness, you know, there's the sound of the water, there's the feel of the water, there's just a lot less input. Um, generally, if say if you're in a, you know, this is kind of sounds like cliche California, but we had this, this big cedar hot tub thing, just a soaking tub. And it, it's a confined area. So you're kind of captive to it. And uh, so you're sitting in there, you don't have your technology, your um, Sensory experience is is stabilized. Uh, not a lot of new information coming in, but water does put us into this um, more open state where um, all of that bandwidth comes back to us, and we don't waste it. We don't just take a nap. We we use it in a different way. And an extreme version of it is of these these float spas that are popping up all over the world where you, you climb into this pod, essentially, and there's 18 inches of warm, hypersaline water. You close the lid, and the water temperature, your body temperature, and the air temperature are exactly the same, and you float for 60 minutes to 90 minutes. And cool things happen inside your body uh, that are, you know, for some people, monumental and transcendent. As far as their creative lives, uh, pro athletes are, are practicing uh, this technique, and creative people like musicians and artists are using it, and veterans, Navy SEALs, and so forth. Um, so sitting in a tub with your kid is some is somewhere in between uh, sitting on a couch having a chat and having a you know being in an isolation tank having a um, you know a sober mind trip go down. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it works. Um, mm. so seeing, that, yeah. that's one example of, of kind of blue minded action, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And, but it's also um, true. If you, if you take a walk on the beach, you know, I mean, just think about it. 
take a walk on the beach. You have good conversations. You know, you get into a cadence with the person you're walking with. Um, you leave a lot of the distractions that would possibly interrupt your conversation behind. And if you're walking on an ocean beach, there's the rhythmic sound uh, of the waves that can put you in, again in, into um, in kind of a, a cadence together. Entrainment is how it's referred to. And you have a different quality of conversation. Yeah. yeah my and i see like my my own experiences with with my kids one of my own experiences i see you know we i mean we live inland but we access the river quite a lot and also when we go if we go to surf well I, there's something about edges for me with water that you're moving off the land mm-hmm. into a sort of you know you're on the edges of sort of like that kind of you know man-madeness that we have increasingly in our lives and then there's this sort of sort of entering water whether it's rivers or or into the sea there's something about a kind of like um at least how i sort of process there's something about this kind of yeah this slightly wild you know there's a wildness you're sort of entering into a sort of zone where there is a sort of you know there is some uncertainty and there is some um you know you're you're feeling a little bit more vulnerable and then there's the, the there's the sort of exciting part of that of of you know of almost feeling like you're you're able to kind of you know it's it's slightly liminal you know what i mean you're leaving a kind of a space or you're on the edges of this sort of controlled constructed world um so there's something for me about that which i i i sort of personally always always connect and i see it a little bit in my in my kids as well when we when we wild swim or when we surf there's something that shifts in them as they sort of enter into this you know this slightly um yeah it's i think there's something about that you know that you are maybe there's a humbleness to it that sort of opens you up more. Um, Absolutely. You um, feel, you feel a lot smaller uh, than, you know, when you're the master of the universe with your technology and your office, and then you go out and plop into the ocean, you you just feel a lot, (laughs) you feel vulnerable and small and humbled. And you've got to rely on a whole other set of skills and senses. And if you do that alone, it's a, it's a beautiful solitary experience. If you do it with someone, it's a wonderfully bonding experience and there's a, there's a level of trust that has to, has to emerge if you're, you know, in the water together, wild swimming or surfing or, you know, paddling and, uh, and to do that with, with, you know, with loved ones, with friends, with kids is, you know, it's just a really good idea. Mm. Mm -hmm. So you, I mean, you, you know, you dig into a lot, in 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 the work and i guess there's always something that i think you know when i last saw you we spoke a bit about this but this yeah there is this thing as 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 modern humans that we are sort of you know we're we're you know we're born 80 percent is it 80 percent water our bodies are you know yeah yeah and and so we're sort of like these watery beings really (laughs) and and yet we sort of very quickly seem to sort of you know something you know i guess this 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 modern world this sort of separated takes us away quite quickly from from that connection and what have you found you know what what are you finding in this in this sort of like you know are are we you know it's funny i don't know if you've seen that um there was a uh uh something that was doing the rounds on the internet last week it was a, a visualization of 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 earth but from a perspective of you know the the water and of, again you know we're sort of we're planet ocean really we're not you know we're we're way more water than than earth but there's something interesting isn't there about 
the work that you you're doing and your your mission in life around this relationship to water and in many ways we it feels like we are we are sort of creatures we are you know aquatic creatures but we've sort of become very removed from that what's what yeah is it, can we talk about yeah, that you know i would say the the process has been if you look if you look back way way back um at the cultures that are still kind of intact in their traditions uh, water water played a much bigger role in in the symbology in the ritual uh, the realization and you could say well that wasn't scientific well it was spot on you know as far as origin stories and and so on mm. and you know like you said we we've lost a lot of that um and now what we're seeing is that it's coming back and it's coming back in a in an ancient form the ancient form renewed by sort of modern insight and necessity mm. of like a lot of things you know like um agriculture you know is learning from you know deep deep traditions that wow you don't have to spray poison on everything to to manage pests um, yeah. or even call them pests in the first place so you know it's kind of a a revitalization of of these ancient ideas and you know every major spiritual tradition and spiritual text talks about blue mind they all do it's all it's it's in there uh basically you know you'll find somewhere that it says you having a bad day go to the water it says that and mm. it will make it better it will soothe your soul you know 23rd psalm written 3000 years ago by king james says when the shit's hitting the fan get your butt down to the water <laughs> say it the lord that's what it says that's my version my translation <laughs> uh, that's what it says it's that you know the edo i walk through the valley of the shadow of death that's a bad day you know that's like the valley of the shadow of death you know we've been there um that's a that's a bad day and what what is the advice go to the water soothe your soul there it is you know um not a new idea but we we departed from it uh at least western society and we thought well other things are better the built environment um pills pharmaceuticals uh other ways of, of being disconnected from the water uh in a modern way and what we're learning is that that you know that red mind mode uh that defines modern life uh you know, sleep less, work more, be more productive, uh, schedule, schedule everything electronically and squeeze everything out of everything to maximize, even hack, you know, hack yourself so that you can optimize everything. Uh, it, that'll chew you up. And so I think, you know, in the UK, wild swimming has just gotten popular yeah, it's gone. It's, and and, and in the, uh, during the lockdown, it, it, it's during the pandemic, it's become even more. People are sort of, t I think, Absolutely. in the last couple of years, just sort of turning to water more. And, and cold realizing water as well. the cold water and realizing that, wow, this is, this is not a new idea. You know? mm. <laughs> really, it isn't. Uh, but this is a new application, and we're facing a new set of challenges. Um, in terms of emotional and mental health, um, you know, the health of our communities. Uh, because when, you know, when people uh, feel this red mind 
coming on too strong and are tipping in the gray mind, they, they tend to self-medicate and they tend to do things that make things worse. So maybe drinking, maybe something harder than that, um, maybe destructive behaviors. Um, and then it creates more red mind and that's, that's a negative feedback loop. And it's so important to make it again, common knowledge. So so people say, wow, I'm feeling a little heavy on the red mind. Where's the nearest body of water? Or maybe a friend says, Hey, you seem stressed. Let's swim. Mm. Um, and it's, it's happening, you know, it's, it's still, uh, you know, it's still considered a little odd to swim in cold water in the middle of the winter, you know, breaking through the ice. It's still a little bit of a small club, but it's slowly catching on for sure. And I think that's the thing is, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Is the more it's, it's the more people start to experience and, uh, put themselves into, into water and cold water and, and whatever, whatever, you know, whatever they decide to do, then the, um, it's that it is that feedback you know you're starting to get that kind of feedback that oh this 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 is good <laughs> this works yeah. Yeah. for me um because yeah. i guess you know you we could talk about trauma for a bit and again there's obviously you know lots of different forms and experiences of trauma but i think you know when you start go back to your book you looked at um you know some of the work projects that were looking at like servicemen coming out of war zones with PTSD and, um, you know, ha- application of sort of water and surf and many other sort of experiences that were um, showing, demonstrating to be really effective in helping people deal with processing of of trauma. Um, and, and, and it feels like now in 2021, you know, you know, probably pretty much everyone is carrying I mean, we've probably all, all been carrying various forms of trauma, but it feels like coming through COVID, there is so much trauma that's sitting inside people, you know, in different ways. And what, what are you, what have you, what are you seeing in, in, in the Blue Mind work with, with the app, you know, with this, you know, this relationship to water and, and how we might explore or, you know, approach, you know, working with the traumas that many of us are carrying? Yeah. You know, I, I was, been fortunate to work with a number of different groups that serve veterans, men, men and women who are dealing with various levels of post-traumatic stress, um, permanent injuries, physical injuries, and uh, the challenges of, of just sort of re-entering um, this, you know, our crazy society and all the red mind and all the different triggers that set off their post-traumatic stress. And, um, what we found and what, what the research will um, back up now that it's, it's been conducted is that the uh, getting out on the water, surfing, paddling, um, swimming is one of the best therapies for uh, any, any, it doesn't have to be, you know, war inflicted trauma. It can be any, any kind of trauma. First responders, the firefighters and, um, and police and, uh, even journalists who are a kind of first responder, uh, they're first to tell us th- the bad news every day. It wears them down. They experience a kind of post-traumatic stress as well. Um, so if you find yourself in that category, um, you know, blue mind is really, me, really, yeah. Cool. yeah. 
It's making me think of the, and I'm sure it's the same in the US, but the, the frontline health workers who've been, who've been, you know, at the front line in the hospitals for the last year now. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're, we're, we're hearing, we're hearing, you know, you know, there's so much research now on, on the, the stress levels and the trauma that these people are carrying through witnessing what they've witnessed and having to, to deal with what they've had to deal with. And, uh, and it, yeah, it brings yeah. to mind this, this work. Yeah. Front, so frontline service, you know, people who live a life of service, um, where, you know, when something's wrong, they run towards it to help, uh, and whatever career path that may be. Uh, if you, if you choose that kind of life, you, you will be carrying some trauma, um, experience with you because, you know, that's just by definition. And if you don't have the tools to manage that, you will burn out. I promise. Uh, you don't, you shouldn't. <laughs> that's not good. I mean, when our, our nurses and docs and therapists and first responders are burning out, that's not good. That's not the goal. That's actually really bad. These are highly trained, dedicated individuals who we can't afford to have them burn out as they serve us. So working with those groups has been so rewarding because it's, it's um, again, such a simple ancient idea. And there are a lot of people are hurting big time. And the pharmaceutical approach, while I'm not just dismissing it completely, can certainly be dialed way back and supplemented with um, other other activities. Um, and so, you know, something like surf therapy, um, one of the reasons it works is because you, you don't, you don't master it in a day. It requires your attention. It requires discipline. Uh, it's kind of cool. Um, it's addictive in a good way. Uh, there's a camaraderie, you know, before, during, and after surfing, you can hang out and talk about it endlessly you know did you see me uh, 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 you know it's, yeah. you know the you know the drill surfers love to talk about surfing uh and so you don't you don't get that out of a packet of pills do you let's face no, it uh, none, none of that and, and the side effects you know maybe a little i don't know you might if you get super addicted to surfing you might lose your job i'll, I'll just put it out there let's, let's be fair but uh you know, it, it can put a strain on relationships, but not not in a destructive way that, you know, opioids, uh, you know, pain meds um, and, the, you know, all the other ways people self-medicate or, or are prescribed. Um, so, if you know, and I, I, one of the stories that I want to share is there's a guy, Bobby Lane, who is a Marine, returned from service overseas and... Um, he was the, you know, the poster guy for post-traumatic stress. He was just rattled, you know, close, close range explosions of some IEDs and just shook him up in every way. And, uh, he didn't really want to carry on. He didn't want to live. He, he tried to, um, commit suicide, uh, suicide by cop, they call it. But basically you, you, you create a problem and then the police come and shoot you. And so he tried that. He thought that was the honorable way rather than taking his own life. And they shot him with rubber bullets and just pissed him off and bummed him out. And, um, and he was, he at the bottom, he was on all kinds of stuff 
and uh, drank a lot. And when he caught his first wave, he says he, you know, it, it took three, he got up on his third wave and stood up and he thought to himself, I, I want to live. And then his next thought was, I want to do this more. Hmm. And then his next thought was, I want to teach people to do this. <laughs> that was a lot of thought for one wave, but yeah. <laughs> um, transformative, you know, and, and he, and he is in fact doing that. And, uh, and it, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like it was a magic silver bullet. Uh, it's just a, a wave, just surfing. But um, it did that for him. And then he got the first night's sleep he'd had for years that night. And that, you know, never underestimate the power of a good night's sleep to fix, fix what's broken, especially if you haven't slept for years. And you haven't had a good night's sleep for years. Um, so, you know, the, there are these individual stories. And um, when you bring them together, it's, uh, you know, it's irresistible evidence that suggests that this is, this is real. We would benefit from more of it. Let's make it common knowledge. Um, you know, and, you know, some people might be listening saying, well, of course, I've known this my whole life. My parents taught me to love the water and to use it therapeutically and use it socially. And if that's the case, lucky you. Really, you're so lucky. Um, not everybody has had that experience. And I, I'm surprised um, over and over again by the number of people I meet who if you said, when was the last time you touched a, a wild body of water? They don't remember, if ever. And that's uh, just kind of uh, um, heartbreaking, you know, when you, when you talk to people who don't have that, that, uh, that set of skills or experiences. Mm. And uh, uh, I've, never, I've, I've met so many people who have never been submerged, never in their life. The only time they've been underwater is in the shower. They don't know if we're talking about being underwater, they don't know what that feels like. And it's a special feeling to be, mm. you know, to submerge. Um, and so we, like you started out with this, this piece here saying, you know, we're, we're born and we're mostly water. Just before that, we all spent 9.21 months underwater I don't know if you remember. I don't remember it clearly, but you yeah. did it. You were floating around in your own private ocean for 9.21 months. It was dark and warm and salty, and it was called Mom. And uh, we all start that way. And we come out, and, you know, bright lights, and it's, it's on, you know. People's putting things in front of your face to make you smile, and red mind begins pretty immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We live on a life-giving rock called Earth, hurtling through space. How bonkers is that? You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast.
it's fascinating. It's like, are you finding in the, I mean, you, know, you can give us a US perspective. I don't know, it's, it's obviously, you know, depends on probably where you, where you live, but we're hearing, <clears throat> been sort of following for many years here, this kind of, you know, this, these murmurings of you know, doctors starting to think about, you know, prescribing nature or, um, you know, social prescribing where they're, you know, looking to find an experience for you to connect with, you know, others or connect with the natural world or whatever, you know, it's been, it's been sort of bubbling around for quite a few years on the edges and it feels like we're starting to hear it a bit more and more now mm-hmm. that actually, you know, this, you know, looking to these kind of, yeah, as, as you've touched these, you know, these very sort of almost sort of ancient practices and things we've probably known forever as a species of, of the, the, uh, the, you know, the medicine that's available in the lands and waters around us. But are, are, you know, how's it looking in the U S is this, you know, are you starting to see, you know, um, these becoming viable, you know, therapies, um, or is there Mm -hmm. still some way to go? I'd say, I'd say both. Uh, I'd say it's a, um, generally I, I usually say we look to the UK for, really? for guidance. That's interesting. And, really yeah, interesting. Yeah. And because just a, a different healthcare systems and the preventative piece is, um, uh, less institutionalized in the U S compared to the UK. And so, we're struggling, I would say, to figure out um, how do you get insurance insurance companies to pay for surf therapy? How do you monetize it? What is the dose? And that gets that gets tricky, right? It doesn't fit neatly into that a pill, to yeah. put it bluntly. Um, and if and if you can't monetize it, it's it's just harder to make work in in the U.S. system. And in, in the UK, tend to have at least more attention on the preventative activities. Mm. Um, you know, whether it's you know walking the coastal path or things like surf therapy, um, and social prescribing. Like if you say social pres- prescribing in the US, people don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's just not a thing. Um, so that's that's part of it. But you know, the backdrop and the the thing that gives me some hope and yes, immediate action is I heard at a conference, a researcher said 90% or so of healthcare decisions are made without talking to a doctor or therapist. Uh, They're made, they're made by each of us in our own homes before things get serious. Uh, 90%. And so let that's my focus if the if the uh, the institutionalized medicine and the for profit medicine is having a hard time getting their head around it, okay, they can take their time and figure it out and get it right. Meanwhile, let's focus on the ninety percent of healthcare that happens within the household between family members. So that may be somebody saying, "Oh, I'm I'm, I'm feeling like I'm getting a little bit heavy. I'm going to." prescribe myself a better diet and they just do it or i'm going to prescribe myself some exercise or i'm going to prescribe myself some relaxation or um i'm going to you know take an aspirin if i have a headache and not need to you know seek out a, a 
the time and effort and cost of a, a, a physician's counsel. Um, so that's 90% of, of healthcare is delivered that way. And so if we can slip in there and say, here's a, here's a tool for your toolkit for your, your family, uh, for your business, um, put this in and let, let everybody know about it. Mm. I think we can reach, we can reach a lot of people. people, I think there's this concept of lifestyle medicine that is, um, starting to get a little bit more popular and make its way, you know, into the, the conversation that is kind of what you're referring to. At least that's what they call it here, you know, in the U S yeah. is lifestyle medicine, which, you know, it's kind of say, what can we do? What can we do along the way to avoid, um, illness, disease, injury, uh, in the first place. And if we do, uh, acquire, um, a problem, what can we do? you know, in terms of our lifestyle to manage it better and, and handle, um, handle it without, you know, invasive surgery or, or, um, pharmaceuticals with massive side effects. Mm. Uh, and so I think that's kind of where blue mind fits in. Um, but you know, I'm not a healthcare professional myself or a healthcare researcher per se. So the places where I can, I can work efficiently are just very direct, like straight to parents, you know, straight to school teachers, um, straight to the people working in conservation to help them put blue mind into their story so that we tell a better, uh, water story because the old water story is not working for us very well in terms of, uh, solving the problems. I think we've, um, I think we've undervalued, you know, water in general, the oceans, the lakes and the rivers by leaving out the emotional, the social, the psychological, the spiritual health benefits uh, in our in our textbooks, in our coursework, in our policy, uh, in our keynotes, in our documentaries. You know, you're probably familiar with the, the familiar preamble that most ocean um communication uses 71% of the planet is covered with ocean gives us half the oxygen billions of jobs feeds billions of people dictates climate and weather um, high levels of biodiversity uh, that's a pretty dry boring and somewhat irrelevant to most people's story <laughs> to tell and uh, if you make the ocean boring you've done quite quite a job because it's not <laughs> It's not boring. Um, you so, have this. You, you have this phrase, don't you? I've seen you because I've seen you when you've, you know, you, when you've talked um, in, into rooms, and you have this this phrase. Everyone's got a water story. Yep. Yeah, I ask people, even strangers, "What's your water?" Very open ended, on purpose question. Um, what's your water? And for some people, they'll say, you know, the Atlantic Ocean, uh, the Colorado River. Um, some people will refer to a pool and some people will refer to something more metaphoric and then they may say, you know, my father's my water. He's, he's been my guide. He's taught me to swim. Uh, he's my source of calm. Um, music is my water. And so it's a very open-ended question getting at really what is, what is your place that you go to, to feel blue mind? 
and everybody has a great story. And that's a really good place to, to begin is, is listening uh, to each other's stories about the water that nurtures us and heals us throughout our lives. And then unpacking that and, you know, creating a perceived value um, by, you know, underlining the importance of the water in your life. You know, if you uh, maybe spent time by the water in a ceremonial way during your life for an important event, um, maybe a memorial service, uh, maybe it's where your fondest memories were formed. Maybe it's where you exercise. Maybe it's where you go to manage your stress. Um, maybe it's where you take your kids to have important conversations um, and on and on. You know, we have tended to dial all that out of our, our ocean talking points and our water talking points to, to the detriment of the efforts to protect and restore uh, the blue parts of the planet. And I think um, it doesn't make sense to, to leave it out yeah. at all. It's fascinating because listening to you as well, it's making me also think of, um, I, which feels like it's maybe, you know, it's connected is that, and again, I can only really speak here for the UK, but, you know, I have a, I have a picture on the wall right in front of me in my studio of, it's all, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the UK and it's, it just, it's a map of every bit of water so it's kind of like it, the whole island is covered in rivers and streams like it's like a it's like a series of you know it's like a vein, veins that go everywhere that are blue but but yet they've many of them have been concreted over you know or or built on or do you know what i mean they're sort of hidden but yeah. they're there they're there yeah. and yeah. and i and i wonder as well part of what you're speaking to is the way that we have you know inverted commas developed our our world that we've sort of you know we've there's the sort of digital distraction where we where we don't see but there's also this kind of yeah in many ways it feels like water has has been hidden almost through you know our progress story and i wonder how much that visibility also because particularly if you don't you know if you don't live by the ocean or you don't live by a, a, a river or whatever you get a sense that maybe that water isn't around you but actually it's it's everywhere right it's just yeah i think your, I that's your your point that map and you know if you had a if you had a similar map of the world you'd find that most people live remarkably close to some water that they could enjoy more than they do the vast majority of humans live near some body of water that they could enjoy now if it's covered over or massively polluted mm. well then it's a lot harder to enjoy of course access is, is part of this conversation if you don't have access even though it might be in your backyard uh then you know the whole conversation goes out the window so access is an important point and you know there's access can can be limited by uh, you know privatization or um you know construction barriers physical barriers uh, can be limited by pollution. So you, you might have an open gate, but you get there and it's disgusting. You don't stay because it's there's plastic everywhere or there's oil in the water, worse. Um, and then it can be limited, access can be limited by perception. You may just take yourself out of the activity even before you have a chance by saying, 
I don't know how to swim. I'm afraid of water or my family doesn't do that. Uh, so a perceptual barrier. But the reality is that the majority of people do have um, the potential to practice blue mind more than they do uh, wherever they are. This isn't just a vacation holiday kind of conversation. This isn't an everyday, you know, wild domestic urban and virtual water practice. Um, but, uh, I, you know, there's, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's water everywhere and sometimes it even falls from the sky and that can be <laughs> enjoyable if you let it, if you let it be enjoyable. Sometimes it's in the form of ice and snow as well. So it's, uh, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's, um, I just wanted to, if we can explore a little bit, the, this relationship between, you know, planetary health, the health of our planet and human health what is this relationship and and particularly i guess you know now 2021 everything that's coming at us with you know all these kind of intersectional crises from climate and ecological you know collapse if you like or breakdown to you know this post covid maybe or 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 at least this kind of post pandemic you know we, we're seeing a lot of human health issues we're also seeing an enormous amount of kind of planetary health warning signs coming mm -hmm. everywhere what, what does that i guess because i guess yeah what's your sense on this relationship or do you see there is a there is a real relationship between these things yeah you know i think there's a lot a lot been said about um pandemics and viruses and the human wildlife um nexus and the ability for viruses to spread quickly given our sort of global lifestyles of a lot of moving around and people living close together and etc um but what i've been thinking mostly about through through this past year or two has been kind of where where blue mind and emotional health intersects with sustainability and mm. Uh, my conclusion, it's a simple um, idea, is that emotional well-being is the foundation of sustainability. Um, that's the idea right there. It's really simple. Right. Uh, Can we unpack it a bit? Yeah. We, we will never achieve anything approximating sustainability. And, that, you know, of course, that, if you drill down into that word, it's problematic. But let's just use it for now. Um, uh, we'll never have a healthy planet if we're not healthy emotionally. So your, your organization will not be a creative problem solving organization that gets things done successfully. If it is emotionally unwell as an organization, same with your household, same with your, same with yourself, um, same with your community, same with your country. Uh, so we've been through, we've all been through some version of all of that uh, divisiveness and conflict and anger and um, poor communication and hatred and unhealth, uh, emotional unhealth. And even before the pandemic that happened. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of, kind of been the horse I've been riding lately is you know, we need, we need to at least connect in 
you know, emotional health with ecological health and economic health as, you know, one of the legs of the stool for sustainability. And we tend to focus on ecological and economic matters, you know, whether it's at the UN level or local NGO, um, those tend to be the two things that are in education. But the basis of it all, the, the foundation of it all is, is our emotional health. And, you know, if you just look at creativity alone in, in a red mind mode, you're not creative. You're in a fight or flight response. You're, you might be a little bit productive. You could be very destructive. You might be able to sprint away from things fast. You might be able to yell loud uh, when you're in red mind mode. You might be able to hit hard, but that's not sustainable. So if we're always in a panic crisis stance in that red mind mode, we're, we're just going to all burn out. And that's not emotionally healthy. So you need to be able to toggle back between red mind, which is useful, right? Sometimes it's time to fight. Sometimes it's time to yell. Um, I mean, you know, we just went through this very weird sort of election, uh, another weird election. And my, I just kept saying to myself, when will people stop yelling? Mm. It's like everybody's yelling. Even the, you know, the men and women I voted for, they're yelling. Everybody's yelling. Why is everybody yelling, especially when they have a microphone right in front of themselves? Like that's like, I'm not going to yell into the microphone. And, you know, it's you have a microphone and a big PA system. You don't need to yell. That's kind of the point. But everybody's yelling into the microphone um, at each other or past each other. So we need to get beyond just the yelling and screaming, red mind, hard hitting you know, fight or flight mode and, and, you know, shift down into the creative, collaborative, courageous, blue mind state. And, uh, and I think, you know, and that's where sustainability comes from. That's where the big, the big ideas come from. That's where the, the beautiful ideas, the tasty ideas, the fun ideas that, that work, you know, that heal and restore and make us happy. And, um, you know, and of course, you know, conflict and, and competition are, are a part of it, but if that's all you got, you're, you're in trouble. So, yeah, I love, I love that. It's making me think of that again. Yeah. It's sort of sustainability is a, it's an inside job and it's, yeah. uh, you know, and it, and it's making me think, I, I've often thought this with, um, it's funny just you know, hearing you talk about politics and I've often thought that, um, you know, again, well, we, you know, we, what would happen if you if you gathered political leaders and uh, you know, uh, you know, on on the shore of a of a break and got them in the water body surfing for an hour together? Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. or or, or, in, or into the woods for a night uh, to sit around a fire in a, in a sort of you know very dark forest? Like, what kind of different breakthroughs we we might have to what you're you know to, to exactly what you're speaking to? We could sort of let go of the shouting. And yeah, yeah, you know, I'll give you an example. Yeah, I had a, um, you know, before our, our, um, we used to open our house to, um, different kinds of retreats. So before, before we lost our home in these wildfires, we opened it to a group of Greenpeace leaders 
and they came and stayed at, a, at my house and helped them through some, helped facilitate some workshops. And they were from all over the world. And they were very much in a red mind mode working on plastic pollution. And I said, let's go. There's a spot called Greyhound Rock. And at low tide, it's, it's like an island. Um, and at low, at low tide, you can walk to it. Let's go. And we all went out there. We went up on the rock. And you go way out on the edge of the rock. And you feel like you're on the bow of a ship looking out over the North Pacific Ocean. And uh, it was the best moment. And everybody in that group just said, wow, I, I needed this. So here's a group of people working on ocean issues and just going and looking at the ocean for a half an hour mm. um, was medicine, you know? And then they, we went back to the house and they worked and came up with some new ideas and got their stuff done. But I just remember uh, how surprised I was this group of ocean activists needed to go see the ocean and be reminded right. of it, that this is what you're actually working for is this giant body of water that covers the planet and how, how far from that they actually were and how useful it was just to go without laptops. It wasn't, we didn't go out there to work. We just went out there to be, and then went back and, you know, had food and tea and stuff and a roof and a fireplace and got work done. But it was um, exactly, you know, there wasn't heads of state, but it's exactly what you're, you're describing uh, in practice. And it works. You know, it's uh, that shift. Um, and it's, the problem is that kind of earnestness and that kind of thinking in a cynical world is, is um, looked down upon and diminished. Um, and I think we need more earnest people, not fewer. And uh, we don't need more snark. We don't need more cynicism. I think we, we need more earnestness uh, um, among those, you know, working to fix what's broken. Yeah. And, um, 100%. And if you're, if you're an earnest person, you're, you know, and you're wearing your heart on your sleeve, you're going to take some hits. So you need, you need to take care of yourself. And if maybe water is part of that self-care um, regime, it should be. So there's going to be folks listening to this who are like going, yeah, this is, this is great, but you guys, you know, you're out and the, you know, you live out by the, the ocean. <laughs> you, you got, you live, well, I'm stuck here in a city living in a block, you know, and like what, if you've got any, you know, what, what can we share any wisdom with those, you know, who are curious about developing their, their blue mind, if you like, but that how, how could, you know, what are, what are some, some ways for people to start moving into this if they're curious, but like you say, may not have the, you know, they might not believe that they can activate Blue Mind because of their context, if you like. Yeah, I've, I've uh, counseled a number of people who had said exactly that. And we just got on the phone and I said, okay, really pull out a piece of paper and something to write with and let's do this. So make, you know, make a list. If I said, you need to get in the water within an hour right now, where would you go? 
how would you do that? Just write it down. How, t- tell me three places you could go. If I said you need to be wet, you need to be water up to your neck within one hour from this moment, where would you go? Make that list. And then if I said you need to be you know, in the water in a place that you enjoy uh, within 12 hours, where would you go? How would you get there? What's the name of that water? Okay, well, that's a, those are two lists right there. Um, what's, you know, obviously the, the further travel can, can be limited during a pandemic. It can be limited financially, logistically, time off from work, et cetera. But within an hour, you know, where's that? Is there a, a public pool? Um, is there a float spa? Uh, is there a lake, a river, a creek, um, an ocean that you could get to within an hour? Um, and if, if the answer is no, well, what about an hour and a half? <laughs> no, nah, well, yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's doable. I think it's an interesting, yeah, it's doable. It's, I mean, an, interesting, at, it's an interesting at, exercise. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, even within your home, so that's the wild water, but the domestic water, you know, do you have a bathtub? Do you use it? Uh, well, Are, is it set up to be enjoyable or is it storing, you know, is it like a storage container? <laughs> um, <laughs> Is it clean? <laughs> clean your bathtub, set it up to actually take a bath in it, get a candle, dump some salt in it, lock the door, and play some ocean sounds. I promise it will, you'll feel pretty good if you do that. You're probably already feeling good thinking about it. So that's the domestic water. You know, take, a, take a hot shower and really feel the water on the back of your neck the next time you do that and really enjoy it. Um, and then there's, you know, around your town, maybe there's a fountain or an urban waterfront that you can go just sit and do nothing, listen to the water and just sit and do nothing. Um, and then, of course, I mentioned the virtual water. So the art, the poetry, the music that depicts the water you love. Maybe there's a musician that has a song about the ocean that takes you to that place or a piece of artwork that you already have in your home, um, move it to a different wall because it re- kind of reactivates the art. If you, if you put it in a different place, your brain isn't used to it, you'll see it again through new eyes. So move your art around, um, maybe a small little desktop fountain uh, or, or one of those you know, sound apps that plays the rain or the creek or the ocean. Uh, in the UK, probably not the rain. You can just listen for that. But yeah, we've got plenty. We got plenty of that around. <laughs> Don't need an app, um, but maybe the sound of a river or or waves on the beach. Um, put that on instead of the news. You know, sorry BBC, you might lose a few listeners for a few hours, but uh, just you know, play the sound of nature. So I, I, I think I think the news is g- generally creating red mind at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Take a news break and listen. No, take. I mean, here's the, that's an easy one. Take a news break and listen to the sound of water for an hour. If you're if you're if you're habitually listening to the news on the radio, turn it off and just turn on the sound of water for an hour and see how that works for you. Are you more productive? Are you more focused? Do you feel a little more relaxed? Um, so those, are, you know, I there are there are answers for everyone. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Thank yeah. you. So, um, 
thank you for this. We're gonna we're gonna we're we're um we could go on, but I know yeah. <laughs> we probably shouldn't. But um, but just just tell, like it's twenty twenty one. I mean, how uh, what's good ways for people to engage with your work? And is there anything coming up you want to share, or just yeah, just how's how's it best for people to to dive in, so to yeah. speak? Um, it's easy to find content. We've created a lot of it. If you just you know, do a search for the term blue mind, you'll apologies in advance. If you're interested, you'll, you'll get caught up in a lot of stuff. Um, so if you're interested, dive into the, the work that exists and share it, uh, put it to use in your life and then share it. Um, there's no, you know, everything's set up. You don't need to ask permission to share our work. Just do it. Um, you know, somebody that needs it. It may be yourself. It may be a colleague, maybe a family member. Um, I'm sure you know somebody that would benefit from this conversation and putting it into practice in their lives. So offer, offer it to them. Um, that's really, that's really it. That's, that's the whole thing right there. We're always doing things to kind of keep the conversation going. We're in the midst of an online book club right now that we do every year where we read Blue Mind together every night for about a half an hour on Facebook Live and Vimeo. Uh, and then in the summertime, um, from May till September, we do something called the 100 Days of Blue Mind Challenge, which is basically a way to get people to try to experience Blue Mind in some way every day for 100 days to build um, new patterns and habits. And uh, if that sounds interesting, join us. It's a very, very uh, low pressure, low commitment kind of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, really, it's, um, it's all about you figuring out how this idea, this ancient idea backed by modern science can make, make your life a little better and then do it. That's kind of kind of the whole thing right there. Love it. Thank you, Jay. Um, yeah, thank you. So I will, I will, I'll drop all the links to your work in, in the show notes and uh, I'm sure people will, uh, will follow them up. So just, you know, closing, closing up the conversation, I always uh, like to explore this little question at the end, thinking about the spaceship earth, this idea of becoming crew on the spaceship earth. What does that, what does that mean to you right now in 2021? Yeah, you know, we, we've shared just as a uh, way of instigating conversation, we've shared millions of, of blue marbles um, with people. They're just recycled glass, azure blue marbles. And when you hold them at arm's length, um, they remind us what we look like from a million miles away. We sort of did the math. And as you move away from Earth, you see it as a, a blue sphere. Uh, because of the water and it's a small one and our our spaceship earth is is a small watery one uh and it's precious and it's beautiful and we're so lucky and uh, i think this pandemic has reminded a lot of people of that you know how how connected we are and uh how interdependent we are um, we really do need each other for everything. And that perspective, that backing off a million miles and looking 
looking back at our home. It's mostly astronauts who get to do that. Uh, so if you get a blue marble, it's a proxy for being an astronaut, I suppose. Um, but it's a, it's a humbling perspective and everyone who has seen uh, Spaceship Earth from a distance comes back uh, utterly transformed from that view. And I think that's, that's something I, maybe people can keep in mind, that we really are that, that little blue marble in space. And uh, the water is so important. Um, yeah. I love that. That's my reflection. Yeah. I love that. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you, Jay, for all you do and for sharing this, this time to have this conversation. Um, Likewise, and, um, thank you for everything you do and, and oh. for inviting me for this conversation. Yeah. Great. And um, I'm hoping that this year we'll, we'll, we'll see, uh, we'll see a surge in, uh, in blue mind. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, 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 you're, you're, you're bang on with, with, there's just too much red going on. <laughs> it's yeah, it's yeah. got to stop. It's got to stop. <laughs> it's got to stop. <laughs> it's got to stop. Yeah. Um, but thank you. So there you go. That was uh, Dr. Jay Nichols and uh, Blue Mind. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Um, we actually caught up really briefly, Jay and I, just before we pressed record on that. And um, we haven't talked really for a couple of years and, and realised in the minute or so that we were chatting that we'd both been through quite some trauma at the end of 2020, me with uh, my daughter Olive's stroke, and Jay, uh, as he briefly mentioned, had had lost his home in a Californian wildfire uh, on the back of climate change, and um, we'd sort of like thought, you know, well, for one second thought maybe that's what we should have explored. So I actually reached out to Jay, and we've agreed to do another episode in the not too distant future where he will share the story of that wildfire and uh, losing his home and we'll explore together um, unexpected trauma and loss and losing what we love uh, and the role that the more than human world plays in helping us process trauma, um, blue and green, water and land. So look forward to that forthcoming episode. But anyway, do check out Jay's work. Um, totally recommend reading Blue Mind. It's an extraordinary read. Um, so search that one out. Uh, and maybe check out some water close to you, as Jay suggested. Um, the ocean, a river, a stream, a pond, a pool. Um, you know, get in it or buy it or on it and maybe try doing that regularly for a month and, and see how you feel. Um, anyway, thanks for tuning in. It means a lot. If you like what you're hearing, um, do give us a review. It will take 30 seconds a minute max on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever it is you listen to your podcasts on. It would be massively appreciated. It helps other people find the podcast. The more reviews, uh, the more ratings, it um, it travels further up on people's search. So um, yeah, get in. There's about 50 odd episodes. If you're new to this podcast, there's, um, there's a lot of content and there's loads coming this year. I'm sort of upping the game a bit. So, uh, but yeah, um, subscribe to the newsletter if you'd like. You can find that on the spaceship.earth site. You'll see uh, sign up. That's monthly. 
Um, it's curated by me. It's uh, updates on episodes. It's some good sort of planet healing vibes and creative inspiration in service to life. Um, you can follow us on the Instas uh, or send me any questions down at the spaceship.earth or you can find us um, on Instagram at the spaceship.earth. I'm going to play out with a track um, and uh, it's a track from CJ Mirror. Um, it's someone I always, when I think of water, when I think of the ocean, when I think of electronic music, which is uh, often where I'm at, um, I look at CJ's amazing uh, work. So this is a track called uh, Everglade Parade. It's from uh, the album Static Original Surf Soundtracks Volume 1 from 2018. So yeah, until next time, look after yourself and those around you and the more than human world around all of us that creates the conditions for life for all of us. Uh, until next time, peace and out. Thank you.